Good evening, Rocky Peak. How are you? My name is Joel, and we are going to jump in. So they were going after him once more. Like, if you look at the life of Jesus, you know that there were, like, mixed reactions when people encountered him. Like, some people, it was just awe and wonder and gratitude. Some people, it was questions and wondering. And some people, it was like, can we kill him already? Like, it was just this mixed review. So in John 10, we have this incredible moment where Jesus had shown up to the holy city of Jerusalem. He's teaching in the temple. And the people had gathered. And there are some amongst them that are just like, would you just tell us already? Would you just tell, are you the Messiah or not? And the Messiah was the promised one, the one that God promised would come to bring rescue, restoration, to restore the brokenness. And so they're just like, like we've heard all the stuff, Jesus, who are you? And his response is incredible. His response is significant and there are implications to his words. And so if you got a Bible or a phone with something like a Bible on it, John 10, I want to just look at what he has to say here. And so there they are, all together talking. And so they're like, would you just tell us, are you the Messiah? Tell us plainly. And so Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. And the works I do in my Father's name testify about me. So he's like, you want to know if what I told you is the truth? Look at what I've been doing. And I've been doing it in the name of the Father. So the God you worship is the one who sent me, who's the one who's doing this work in me and through me. So this is my answer. Look at what I've done. He goes on, goes, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. Oh, yeah, you feel the weight of those words, right? Yeah. I think sometimes we have this view of Jesus where he's just like, oh, he's just nice and kind and like, oh, come on, hugs, everybody. Like, Jesus is like, I'm just I'm going to tell you plainly, the reason you don't believe is you don't belong to me. He goes, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Powerful words. And they understood what he was saying because do you know what their response was to this? They tried to stone him. They tried to kill him because they're like, uh, what, what are you saying? And Jesus' response is like, hey, what, for what works are you trying to kill me? The works that I've done in the name of the Father, what are you trying to kill me for? And they're like, no, we're not trying to kill you for anything you've done. We're trying to kill you because you just claim to be God. Like, they understood that. And yet, you look at what Jesus says here in this moment. There's some serious weight to his words, serious implications. It's kind of like, hey, you want to know if I am the one, the one that God promised? Look at what I'm doing. Look at the works that I've done. I'm doing them in the name of the Father. You want to know who I am? I belong to the Father. I'm his son. We are one. That's who I am. Do you want to understand why there's this hunger in your life that you're looking for, why you're being so religious or whatever you're doing? It's because I'm the giver of life. I've come that you could have eternal life. And yet, you're wondering why you don't buy it. It's because you don't belong to me. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep listen and follow. So let's just make sure we're syncing up with Jesus right now. So Jesus, we want to come into this moment feeling the weight of those words, but also hearing the incredible gift in those words. 
that there's a life that you have, a life that you want to lead us into, that you came to show us the Father, you came to bring us back into life. The cross was the, the most radical act of love in the entire universe, and it was for us. And so here today, as we step into this time with you, could we have ears to hear what you want to say to us? And would we have hearts and minds that are receptive and responsive so that we could experience the life you've come to bring us? And so if we are your sheep, give us the ears to hear. If we're not sure where we're at, give us a heart to lean in and say, I want what you have, Jesus, so we can experience what you have for us. Amen. So it's amazing when you begin to discover Jesus. When you begin to discover who he is, you discover something incredible. Like, like Jesus is like God's ultimate revelation. Like you want to know who God is and what God is like, you just look to Jesus. You look to what he has to say. This is why Jesus says in, in verse 30 there, he goes, I and the Father are one. Like, like I've come to be on mission with him and to reveal him. And if you want to understand who God is, we look to Jesus because in Jesus... We see God's heart and his intention toward us. Like God is relational. He's not some God from a distance who just kind of started this whole thing and said, good luck with that. Like he's a relational God and he desires to engage with us. And the amazing thing about Jesus is that we see this in his life and teaching, but we don't simply see it in Jesus' life and teaching. Like we see this all throughout the pages of scripture, all throughout the Bible. Like the very beginning story is a God who speaks life into existence and then he creates us as a race and we're told he does something totally unique with us. He takes the man, he forms him from this earth and he breathes his breath of life into him and that's when we're told we became living beings, not just evolved animals, we became something more. Men and women created in the image of God so we could know God and walk in relationship with God. And then if you know the story, it takes a dark turn because our first parents are like, we got this, we're gonna listen to that snake, we don't trust you, God, and it goes dark. And the amazing thing is that God didn't abandon us. Like God could have just said, you did what? Poof, 2.0, here we go. No, he still chose to engage. He still chose to pursue. And then you look at all the stories in scripture, it's God's pursuit of us. God reaching out, God calling, God stirring, God reminding who he is and who we were meant to be. And throughout all of history, we see that there is a God who is pursuing us. So then when we encounter Jesus, the most beautiful, wonderful thing we realize is that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's pursuit of us. And this is why John, when he introduces us to Jesus, like the other, the other gospel accounts of Jesus' life, like they start with the beginning story at Christmas. John starts with the beginning story. Like this is how he says in John 1.1, 1, 1, he goes, in the beginning was the word. He's talking about Jesus. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That's why like when, when you encounter Jesus, it's not just some cool dude from history, some prophetic sage from the past. Like we're encountering the God who wants to make himself known and bring us into life with him. And Jesus is like, let's go. <laughs> You're looking for life? You're looking for something new? Here it is, I've got it. And what I love about what we see in Jesus and the scriptures is that God is a God who speaks. God is a God who calls. God is a God who reaches out to invite us into something with him. He's a God who has spoken from the beginning. He's a God who has spoken throughout history. He's a God who still speaks today. And so the question for us is this. 
are we listening? Are we listening? When God wants to do something in our lives and in our stories and call us into something with him. And so for the next few weeks, we are going to be spending time in this series that we're calling Listen and Follow. And so if you've been a part of Rocky Peak for any length of time, like you've maybe heard us throw these words around. It's kind of common language for us to just kind of describe how we're going to be chasing after Jesus. Like, am I going to listen and follow to what he has for me? And the assumption of that phrase is that God is still speaking and we can hear him and we can respond and step into the life that he has for us. And so what we want to do over the course of these next several weeks is just chase this. How do we learn to hear God speak in our life? How do we position and posture ourselves in the pursuit of him so we're receptive when he wants to do more in our stories than just sit on our butts once a week? Like Sundays are important. Don't get me wrong. Saturdays too, right? But, but like, like the pursuit of God is so much more than showing up and sitting down. Like we're here to learn and grow, but if this doesn't impact Monday, what are we doing? <laughs> right? And so like God wants to do amazing things in our life and story. And then how do we as, a, as a, a church, people that are chasing him together as a community, how do we hear God's voice as we do life together? How do we speak words of, of life and hope as God is at work in each other's stories? These are the things we're going to be chasing for this. And so today we're going to kick off with this assumption that God does speak. So how do we then learn to hear that voice? And so we're going to start with just this basic framing of a foundation. How does God speak? And so how do we begin to step into that journey with him to hear his voice in our lives? And so on your message notes, there's this section called foundation framing, like how does God speak? And we're going to talk about a couple things as we get started. But here's what I, I just want to put this on the table right out of the gate. I am not assuming I know the totality of how God chooses to speak. What I'm sharing in these first two things is what God has revealed to us about how he does speak. Right? So we're going to just go with what God has said. This is not what Joel thinks, because we'd be in trouble. This is what God has shown and revealed to us, and so that's why we're going to lean to that, right? And so we're going to just do this, and this is very important, like a foundation framing, because if we're going to learn to hear God speak in our lives, let's have a solid foundation that we can then begin to step into and begin to walk with him as he does it. And so here's how we, we see that God speaks. The first way is this. God speaks to us through his word, like the, the scriptures, the, the books in this, the, the Bible. I always find it interesting when we say the Bible says, it's an interesting phrase, right? First of all, the word Bible is not in the Bible. Did you know that? It's on the Bible, maybe on the table of contents, right? Because Bible is this, this word from the Latin Biblia. It just means the collection or the books, right? So when we're talking about the Bible. We're talking about these scriptures that have been given over time in history that we oftentimes call God's word. And the reason we call it God's word is because that's what the first followers of Jesus told us this was, as Jesus had taught them and they walked with him. And so listen to what Peter, one of Jesus' first followers, says about scripture and who's involved with the giving of it. So on your message, Peter writes this, 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21. He says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Like the point like Peter's making is that, hey, when, when, when the prophets were speaking, when the scriptures were being written, somehow God was involved in that process, right? So it's like, who's the author? That person and God. How did that work? He doesn't say how it works. He just says that it worked. And what's neat when you kind of look at it, that's why you can see distinctives and personalities and writings throughout all these collections of scriptures that were written over thousands of years. 
You see this distinctive of culture and voices, but you also see the thread and the theme of God's voice connecting it all together. And so this is the idea. And then Paul will, Paul will affirm this idea writing to his protege, Timothy. In 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17, he's encouraging Timothy to keep growing and learning and become the leader God has called him to be. And so he says, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And listen to this. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking. We don't like that part, but that's kind of what it does. Correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Right? And so the, the idea that we see here is that like in the scriptures, this is one of the ways that God speaks to us because the scriptures are God's word to us. And so like the, the Bible, it's like this collection of human writings written by humans for humans, but that's not, the, that's not just what it is. There's another author at work. The creator of the universe was involved in the process so that when we're reading these words, we're hearing his voice to us, his heart, his calling, him, him explaining who we are and what's, what our story is. And through the brokenness of humanity, we hear God speaking to us through his word. So that's why when we're like, hey, it's probably important that maybe you're spending time in the word beyond just what's on the message notes once a week. Because that's your pursuit of hearing God speak in your life. And the reason why this is so important that we lay this in our foundational framework of how we hear God speak is because this is the standard for God's voice in our life. So like if anyone or at any time someone's like, hey, I heard God tell me and it doesn't line up with this, that wasn't God telling them. Right? So like a lot of times you'll hear this and it's just, you know, it's a very like popular idea. God wants me to be happy. And his desire for my, he has told me, your happiness is the most important thing. So I'm leaving my family to pursue myself. Bro, that is not God. Because God says faithfulness. God says keep your word even when it hurts. God calls us to other things. And he promises to empower us in the choices of being in broken relationship. But let me tell you, if you think that's God, that's not God. That's your selfishness and you're putting that on God. So you understand what I mean? Like this is why this is so important that we understand that God's word is foundational. It's the framework through which we hear him. And then another way then that we see that God speaks to us is this. God speaks to us through his spirit. His spirit that he gives us. And again, we see this all throughout scripture and we'll unpack this a little bit more along the way today, but God speaks to us through scripture. But let me tell you, this is the, or through his spirit, but this is the one that can oftentimes get a little uncomfortable for us. Because uh, depending on your background and where you've come from and what your maybe previous church experience was or not, like, I don't know, does, have you ever just had someone say, oh, God told me the other day, and you're kind of like, what? What are you talking about? Like, how does that work? And, and part of the reason why is like, we have this spectrum of what this means, that like God's word and God's spirit, and, and within the Christian family, like we have these kind of edges on the spectrum that are here. So on one edge of the spectrum would be those that would say, well, of course God speaks through his spirit. The spirit spoke through people through his word. And so the only way we hear God's voice is when we're reading the actual words in the Bible, right? So they affirm the spirit, but there's no real work of the spirit in our life today. That's one edge of the spectrum. Then over here, you have another group, and God speaks all the time and tells them where to park their car, 
You know, like, I mean, like, they're like the, the total other opposite. And sometimes you're like, yeah, where did it say that? They're like, can you, like, 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 and so somewhere, like, you have these edges. And, and what I would just want to encourage us to say is, like, I think there's a beautiful middle that we have to find together to walk in that because God affirms his word, but he also promises to give us his spirit. So, like, for, like, for me growing up as a kid, the, the church that I went to growing up was, a, was on this side of the spectrum. It was like what we call charismatic and so that's like expressions of the spirit, speaking in tongues and all sorts of things like that. And my memories of it as a kid was that it was pretty healthy because when somebody rattled off on something, I just remember like the pastor stood up and me like, do we have an interpretation? Because if we don't have an interpretation, that wasn't from God. And so I was like, ooh, yeah, you better be ready <laughs> if you're gonna do that. Right, so that was there. At the same time, my parents put me in the small little Christian school, a Lutheran school. And so we would go to chapel once a week and there was a red candle hanging from the ceiling and that was the Holy Spirit. We're like, right. So like that was my that was my experience growing up. And so I always like to say, like, God, I think you think I got I got a picture of both. So either I am balanced or I'm spiritually schizophrenic. I'll let you decide, right? But but like somewhere in that, because here's what I think we have to be careful with the edges. I never want my theology to limit what God wants to do. Like, I don't want to create a box. Like, theology is beautiful. I want to have a good, robust understanding of how I've understand God, but I never want my box to say, God, you're outside of my box. At the same time, I never want my theology to go beyond what God has revealed. So somewhere is that beautiful, messy middle. And so as a church, we're going to try and walk that together, right? But God wants to speak through his spirit. And I can show you this from the life of Jesus, because Jesus modeled this and he taught it to us. Like one of the beautiful things when you look at the life of Jesus is just how, how he would listen to his father and respond and the spirit would work in his life. So you read the, the temptation story of Jesus in the gospels. So Jesus goes off into the wilderness. He fasts for 40 days and then Satan shows up and he's like, I'm gonna do to him what I did to the first ones in the garden. You understand that the, the, the temptation story of Jesus is him passing the test we failed as a race? So like our first parents failed the test in paradise. Uh, maybe the serpent's right. We shouldn't trust God. Here's Jesus in the wilderness fasting for 40 days and Satan shows up and Jesus is like, go away. <laughs> he passed the test, which is why he can lead us into victory, right? But what I love about that is we're told that Jesus went into the wilderness because he was led by the spirit. And then what I love is when Satan shows up, Jesus responds to each of the temptations. It is written. So in that beautiful moment, you see Jesus following the leading of the spirit and using God's word in unison. It's this beautiful, beautiful picture. And then look at Jesus teaches about the coming of the spirit. So in John 14, Jesus says these words to his followers. He goes, hey, if you love me, keep my commands. Some of you just need to hear those words tonight. Just those words alone. I think so many times we're like, God, do you love me? And God's like, the cross, bro. <laughs> and then I think God's like, do you love me? Oh, here's how Jesus says you love him, by the way. That, that's for free. It's for coming Saturday night. <laughs> but if you love me, keep my commands. And then he goes on, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And it's this promise that his spirit would come and be a part of our lives and guide us and lead us into truth as his spirit works in our story. And so here's the beautiful thing about following Jesus. 
Like not only do we have his words, these words of life and power and hope and freedom, we also have his spirit illuminating the truth of his words in our lives. And so it's not one or the other, it's this beautiful relationship of both and, and these become the foundational framework by which we then decide, so God, how do I hear your voice as I look to your word and then listen to your spirit's leading in my story? And there's this beautiful moment in Acts where you see this coming to fruition, this thing that Jesus promised coming to fruition with his first followers in Acts chapter two, what we call Pentecost. It's this moment where the Holy Spirit comes down, just like Jesus promised, and it was there in Jerusalem, and it was this crazy moment because the Holy Spirit, like this rushing wind comes across, upon the followers of Jesus. It's like tongues of fire come on their head, and like they're, they're doing all this, this amazing prophetic speaking, and, and people that were all around them from all other parts of the world were hearing them speak in their language. It was just like the Holy Spirit was like, I'm showing off, and I'm showing up. Like, here we go. I love it. And so then people are like, what is going on? And like some people are like making fun of them and like, ah, these people are drunk. And so Peter gets up in response. Acts chapter two, where are we at? There we are. So Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Like, he doesn't know some of my friends, but that's Okay. <laughs> Like, but his point is like, hey, this is, this is not like alcohol or drug-induced. This is the Spirit of God doing something amazing. It says, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. I made it in the Bible, by the way. <laughs> in the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Therefore, the coming, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, what a moment. Like, I don't know what would happen if this actually broke out here today. I think we'd be like, how do we, how do we navigate this? Like, put that fire. I, I, like, all I know is like, like, God showed up and God showed off. And what I love that you see in this moment is, again, the beautiful unity of both the Spirit and the Word. Because the Holy Spirit shows up and Peter's like, and here's where God said in his Word this would happen. Right? So this is why it's a foundation framing that it's not one or the other. This has to be a both and scenario. And then I want you to notice some of the things that were mentioned here. This Peter's quoting the prophet Joel. He's talking about like prophecy and dreams and visions. And so when we talk about the idea of God speaking, I think these are some of the ways that God speaks to us. Which sounds weird, right? Maybe not for some of you. Some of you are like, finally, someone's saying it out loud, right? <laughs> Like, let me just, like, have any of you ever experienced these things in your story? Yeah, a few brave hands, a few, like, I don't know, can we raise our hands? Like, I think the reason why we feel uncomfortable about this is, is we don't always know how to talk about it. And I, think, like, I don't think we should be shy about this. I think what we need to do is this. We need to learn to discern how God speaks to us through his spirit in alignment with his word. We need to learn how to discern how God speaks to us through his spirit in alignment to his word. And then learn to walk in the freedom of how God wants to lead us in that way. So like, like 
how this plays out in my life is, is interesting because there's times in my story where God has shown up in very distinct ways. And so I, I will use the phrase like, hey, yeah, God showed something or spoke to me, but it's never an audible voice. Like I've never heard the voice. I've had friends who have. That's just not been for me. For me, it's more like this. It's like this internal idea or thought that comes that has a weight to it that I know it wasn't my own mind that did it. And I remember one of my, my, my philosopher Christian teachers explaining, like, here's the thing about how God, when God speaks, God's not limited in how he speaks the way you and I are. So if I want you to know my thoughts and my minds, I have to use external communication to do it. My voice, making audible sounds that your ears pick up, or I could write it in an email or a letter, or I can sign language something to you. And that's, I have to communicate externally to you. But when God puts his spirit in us, he can now speak mind to mind. And so that's where, like, when he said it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I've been experiencing God more than I, I realized because there's times where it's just like, like these ideas or thoughts. Now I have to bring it to this book God, is that your word or was that the pizza, right? Like, like, but as I've learned to like, like discern that, the way I often describe it is there's just a weight to it, but it's beautiful. There's an oughtness to it and it's invitational to step into it. And so then I've just learned, okay, God, I, I want to respond to that. Like, what do you want me to do with this and weigh it and invite other people to help me ex- experience what that means? And so that's sometimes how it will work for me. But, but as we talk about hearing God's voice, here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to talk about how God speaks through dreams or visions or prophecy because I don't want to presume what is normative for you. I don't want to presume to, to know how God wants to speak to you or has spoken to you or does speak to you. I want to affirm to you God does speak are you listening? And then how are you learning to hear his voice in your story? But I do think we need to be wise about how we do this. We need to grow in wisdom, that discernment and alignment, discerning his spirit in alignment with his word. Because if we're not careful with how we do this, we could blow people up or go off the rails. So we need to learn that wisdom of discernment in how we do this. And so I, I want to give some guiding principles for us as we begin to like, kind of like, hey God, I wanna to learn to hear your voice. I have your word, I have your spirit, but what are some guiding principles and how we do this? And so um, there are your notes, some guiding principles or in the parentheses or why we don't get to make stuff up, <laughs> right? Cause it's like anyone could say, God said to me, you know what a great thing to do when someone does that for you? Like I went to Christian college and so you'd often see this as like guys who were graduating were getting desperate cause they were still single. And they would come up to girls and be like, God told me that we should get married. <laughs> I love it because the, 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 the intelligent women would say this, when he tells me, I'll let you know. <laughs> right? Like, great, right? Like, so, so here's some guiding principles why we don't get to make stuff up. First one is this. God defines who God is. And we need to understand this because there's, there's this value in our culture that has emerged over the last couple of generations, the last 50 years or so, that is so sacred to our culture. And it's the value of self-determination. And here's, here's what this looks like. It's, it's that desire to define myself as I believe or feel I am meant to be. 
Right? And so we see this value showing up in all sorts of, of challenging things in our culture. So like critical theory and how that's applied to different areas, if you know anything about that. Sexual ideologies, this is where we're seeing this play itself out. Uh, intersectionality, like these are all these fancy buzzwords that because we are an untethered race who doesn't have a clue who we are, so we're trying to define ourselves based on whatever we think fits, right? Like, I, like oh, we could talk so much about this, but I just want to say, I don't think that's a healthy way to pursue identity, <laughs> So here's like the 30-second response. The reason why I don't think it's a healthy way to pursue identity is because you and I are contingent beings. That means our existence isn't dependent on us. We came from somewhere. So if we really want to understand who we are, we need to understand where we came from. And if that, that where we came from is a who, maybe we should ask the who who we are. Okay, I'm just, just that's for free again for coming. Like, but, but, but even if you don't buy that, that, hey, there's a creator, even if you're like, I don't know, can I just say, can we at least be consistent with the value that we embrace in our culture? If it's our value that we get to define who we are, why do we violate that value when it comes to God? Like, why do I think I get to define who I am and then I get to tell God who God is? Like, shouldn't we give him the same courtesy? And I love when God tells Moses his name. So in the story where God's like Moses in the burning bush and God's like, I'm gonna set my people free and all that stuff. Look at what God says to Moses in his name, Exodus 3.14. God says to Moses, I am who I am. God, what's your name? I am. Like the only being in the entire cosmos who has the right to define themselves is the one who is defined by who he is. That's God. Which means we don't get to make stuff up about God. Which means when we're talking about God, let's make sure it's in line with who he's told us he is and what is revealed to us, okay? So this is like just some guiding principles that we gotta be careful of. Here's another guiding principle. Another, hey, we don't get to make this stuff up. God's word endures. And so this means that what God has said doesn't change to fit our current sensibilities. It's kind of an important thing because when it comes to the dynamic between us and God, who do you think the fickle one is? <laughs> it's not God, right? Because we're the ones who are shaped by the values and the cultures of the world all around us. And the reason why, we're the fickle ones. So listen, what's, what's in vogue or what's fashionable in this generation is what's gonna be rejected and scorned and mocked in coming generations, Right? So I, like, some of you are like looking at what Disney's doing. You're like, don't mess with the classics. It's because they're like, no, we're going to redefine because we're fickle. A, a generation from now, they're going to like, we're going to go back and make it patriarchy. Like it's going to be a mess, right? Like we're broken people. And it's easy for us in our arrogance to assume that we know better than they did back then. Like that Socrates was an idiot. Like really? <laughs> but we apply that then to the scriptures because we're like, oh, they didn't know any better back then. We know better now. But who else was the author? So are we saying, hey, God, you didn't have a clue back then. We know better now. Let us help you out. Like, what? No. I love how Peter captures this, and he's quoting from the Old Testament scriptures here, 1 Peter 1.25. He says, all people are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. It's like this beautiful Hallmark card. You're like, you just got it. Like, ah, oh, how nice oh, the grass withers and the flowers fall. <laughs> but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. 
And see, the reason God's word endures is because God's word flows from who he is. His character, his goodness, his trustworthiness. And so when we're wrestling with what God has said, and it's okay to wrestle with it because that's part of bringing our lives into alignment with him. But when we're wrestling with what God has said, what we have to decide is, but do I trust you? Do I trust you with what you've said? Do I trust you with how you said we've been created as people in your image? Do I trust that you are good and you are for me? And how we respond to his word reveals whether we trust him or not. Because his word endures. And so just because we don't like it or our culture is upset about it doesn't mean we get to rewrite the book. God's word endures. So again, as we're saying, hey, God has spoken, we always have to line it up with what he has said. Okay, one other guiding principle. God leads the dance. This is beautiful. I love this about him. See, how God chooses to lead and speaks to us is God's prerogative. We don't get to determine or demand how he works in our story or in our life. Right, so, so my friends who have said, I've heard the voice, I don't go to him like, I haven't heard your voice. <laughs> I just go, how do you want to lead me? How do you want to work in my story? I just want to be responsive and receptive to you. And so God is not a formula that we need to figure out. Like if somehow I could get the calculation right, then I could be like, I go to the back of the book and go, here's the answer. You got to do what I said. I got the math right. Like, like that's more of a religious approach to God. Like, cause a religious approach to God is this, like, here's all the hoops. If I can jump through all the hoops, then I can demand of God anything I want. That's not what God calls us to. God doesn't call us to religion. God calls us into relationship and pursuing God is a relational endeavor. It's much more like a dance than a formula. And because God is God, he leads the dance. And I love this promise that God makes in Ezekiel about the coming of his spirit that he would bring. And I just want you to like listen to the language in which God is saying this. Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27. He says this, he goes, context here, he's writing to the people. They've been broken over rebellion and generations. They've been scattered. And they're like, God, like it's a mess. Where are you in our story? And God's like, I'm coming. I'm going to fix it. And I'm going to fix you. And I'm going to do something for you because obviously you can't. <laughs> and so this is what he says. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove you, remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Like it's his promises. God's like, I know you're messed up. I know you're broken. I know you can't figure it out. And I love you and I'm sending my son to make a way for you and I'm gonna put my spirit in you and then I will move you to respond to the life I have for you. So if you're ever like wrestling with obedience with God and you're like, I don't know if I like it, don't not bring that to him. Like, God, I don't know if I like it. So would you lead me into it? Like, would you, would you tune my heart? Would you awaken something in me so I desire what you desire? And would you give me the ability then to work with you and let him lead you in that dance? And our response is learning how to listen and follow as we move in rhythm with him. And so when God speaks, however he wants to do that, whether it's word or spirit, I just want to spend a little bit of time talking about what might we expect when God begins to speak. Like, and again, this isn't like, and he's going to do it this way or that way. It's just more, what, what, what might the quality of that be as God begins to speak in our lives and our story? And so this idea, like when God speaks, what to expect, it's this idea of being called. And, and three things I wanted to just say, like, hey, when God speaks, maybe you expect him to call you in these ways. Right, so the first one is this, when God speaks, what to expect? I think we should expect being called out. 
This is like, the, this is your favorite one, I'm sure. And yeah, I think it stands to reason that God will call us out. Because we enter into relationship with Jesus because we need help. Like, did anyone sign up to be on Team Jesus because you're awesome and you thought you could help him? <laughs> or did you like, Jesus, I need help. <laughs> like the songs we sang, like your grace so free poured out on me. Right, and so it stands to reason that I step into relationship because I'm a broken, messed up human being who's in desperate need of God at work in my story. And as God leads me into life, there's areas in my life he's gonna wanna work on. And so when God calls us out, it's not like because he's some mean monster in the sky. When God calls us out, it's because he's a good father who wants to bring correction into our lives so that we're brought back into the life we were meant to live. And so I think we can expect God to call us out into what he wants to do. And I think sometimes God's gonna call us out about our behavior. Right? And we see that even in scripture, it's like, hey, the way we should act and behave is defined here. And it's like, I'm not in alignment with that. And God's like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> I think sometimes the way God is going to call us out is about how we do relationship, how we treat other people. I don't know about you, but I like putting me first. It just comes natural. I don't know where this came from, <laughs> but it's just like, hey, this is good. I want to eat this, right? Like, what? And then God's like, no, be a servant. You want to be great? Let's be a servant. Let me show you in my word what the path to greatness looks like, and then let me give you the ability to do that in your marriages, in your families, in your friendships, at the workplace. I think there'll be times where God is going to want to call us out about our priorities, right? So like, hey, the way you spend money, have you ever talked to God about that? Because he has opinions, <laughs> and maybe he wants to lead you in a better way of doing that. But I think there's all sorts of ways that God will want to do that. Uh, I want to share some stories for each of these that just kind of put some, some framing of this and how it like worked in my life. So again, I'm not assuming this is gonna be normative for you, but I remember uh, we were in Canada, Christy and our girls, we were living in Canada, we were leading this church there at a time and we'd gone through some of the hard years and we're now in this like beautiful season of what God was doing in that church. And so as a staff team, we were kind of sensing God was wanting to do new things in, in our church together. And so I remember one Sunday, we're, we're going through our services, and I'm off on the side where there's like these curtains, and the worship is happening, the music's happening, and, and we have a new worship leader, Dre. She was phenomenal, and uh, she was leading, and I'm off on the curtains, you know, waiting to like come out to teach, and I look, and suddenly I see Dre is on her knees weeping, and I'm like, that's not normal for us, like in how we experience her. Like maybe on our worship nights, it would be like stuff like that would happen, but I'm like, okay, like what's, my first thought is like, is she okay, and and what Dre will, would share as she's telling the story is that she saw a woman come up to the front and just kneel and begin weeping. And she felt like God was saying, hey, what is going on with her is something I'm doing in the room. So pray for what I want to do in the room. And I'm like, what? Are, she was just like, yes, Jesus. So she stepped back from the front line. The next worship leader continued the song and she just got on her knees praying. So I'm over here on the sides and I see this and I'm like, okay, she's doing something different. This wasn't on the worship set planning system. And I'm, and I'm taking steps towards this little divide in the curtain. And so as I got closer, my first thought was this. I don't know if we have time for this. Because <laughs> we have two services. We got to turn over the parking lot. You know, there's kids. And I, I mean, there's a lot of logistics involved, right? And I believe that God is a part of the preparation. But however, when God wants to do something new, I think the response is yes. Not, I don't know if we have time for this. You know how when you say something stupid in the moment you say it and you realize that was not the right response? The minute I said it, there was, I also felt like whatever God was doing, I felt like I physically stepped into it. I don't know how to describe it. I don't know how that works. I don't know if God has geofences. I don't know. <laughs> but it was like I stepped into it. And in that moment, remember I said like God just kind of gives thoughts and ideas? This, this thought hit me. And this was it. Joel, when I move, 
you will move with me or I will move you out of the way. Talk about weight. But it wasn't mean. It was like deeply invitational. Like, do you want to be a part of what I want to do in my church? And in that moment, I'm like, whatever you want, God. And then it was so fun as, as leadership, you're like, hey, let's figure out how, what this means and what God wants to do because we can't manufacture that. But it was just this beautiful thing because God was bringing correction. In that moment, then it's like, okay, well, I listen and follow. And there's just these beautiful things that God will do. So don't be surprised as God speaks that there's times when he's calling you out because he wants what's best for you. He wants to lead you into his best. Here's something else I think you can expect when, when God speaks. Being called up. Here's what I mean by this. I, like, I don't think Jesus shows up in our stories. I don't think he went to the cross, defeated death, went through all that, rose from the dead, promised to put his spirit in us so we could live mediocre lives. I think Jesus wants to call us into greater things with him. Remember what he said, like, greater things than I've done, you're going to do? He said that to his church. Like, and again, I don't presume to know, like, am, am I going to, like, walk on water like Peter? I think the greater things is to live a radical life of love that transforms people as he works. I don't know, right? I'm just, I'm riffing right now. But, um, but don't be surprised if God begins to stir things in you. New desires, new hungers for a holy more a more of what he wants to do in your story. And then I think we have to be careful with that because as God begins to awaken that desire, oftentimes we'll be quick to grab hold of it and think we know what that looks like. And so we begin to define it. So God, the more you have for me is the beautiful home with the fence. And God's like, you're settling for less, right? Like, like I think we have to be careful with that because who leads the dance? God leads the dance. So when he's awakening that desire, our response is to just be faithful and to say, so what does this look like? And just look for the opportunities to express that wherever they are, even if they don't seem like what you thought it was gonna be. Because if we're not careful, what happens then is God awakens something new and it doesn't go how we thought, then we can get upset with God or we begin to demand our way or we begin to complain or we begin to lament. Anyone? God, you awoken a dream in me and it's not going how I wanted. And God's like, because I got a bigger dream. <laughs> like, Let's walk this way. Like when, when God began to stir this thing back in 2012 that for Christy and I and our family to move, like there was this sense of excitement, but there was this sense of, this sense of fear as well. And then as we began to talk with the church in Canada and we realized, oh no, this thing that God was stirring that we were so excited about means we're moving where? And we're doing what? And we wrestled for several months. You know, like, I'd love to tell you, like, hey, when God calls, we just said yes, and let's do it, right? Like, <laughs> like that, where Paul writes, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, there was fear and there was trembling. And in that, I just remember, like, and this, this wasn't a moment. This was, like, over a period of time. It was just as if God just kind of kept this whispering the same idea. Joel, you don't have to go. Like, 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 if you don't want to, you don't have to go. I just want you to know I'm going, and if you want to be with me, this is where we're headed. <laughs> and it's like, God, I want you. I want you more than I want my little Southern California geography. And then God is so good. He's like, because I got this full circle plan you don't know about, but just be like, oh, he's, I love him. <laughs> and see, when, when God is stirring something in you, the opportunity he puts in you, in front of you, if it seems like it's beneath you, 
embrace it. Because it's often in our willingness to go to what seems like the low place that God does his deepest work in us. Remember what Jesus said? If you want to be great, be a what? A servant. So don't be surprised when God calls you to be a servant. Because he's actually wanting to lead you into greatness. So what does that look like in your families, in your friendships, at your workplace, in our church? You know, like, what does it look like when we're like, hey, we have this amazing kids ministry and we need some incredible men and women who will serve in that area. And you're like, ah, that's beneath me. Are you kidding? Jesus said, anyone who like puts a barrier, like, like Jesus loves the kids, right? And so if God's like, hey, maybe putting that on your heart, step up and serve because what you may find is that he unleashes something in you in that moment or in that place of obedience. But just watch what he wants to do. And then when next one, when God speaks, here's something else I think that you can expect. Being called onward in the journey. If you're, if you're listening online or you're here and you're like, you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus and you're just kind of like, my friend tricked me into coming here or however you got here tonight. Like, I'm so glad that you're here. I, I just, I want you to hear what I'm saying as I'm talking to my fellow Christians because sometimes I think we sell like Christianity, like it's awesome. And it is, but it's also hard. Right, so those of you that would call yourself followers of Jesus, have you ever noticed that following Jesus isn't always easy? Right. Like, and I don't know where I like, bought into this idea, but it's always challenged. Like, like somehow, like, Jesus, if I follow you, it will, it will always feel good. It will always go the way I wanted it to go. And it's like, Joel, have you read the Bible? <laughs> Like at RP Singles, our singles group that meets once a month, we've just been working our way through this. Yeah, thank you, one fan, love it. Um, <laughs> we've been working our way through the stories of Daniel. And it's just amazing to watch how that did not go, Daniel's life did not go how he wanted it to go. Yet that bro stayed faithful and God used him to move an empire. And it's just like, okay, God, like, I, like I, I'm, I'm surprised when following you costs me. Why is that? Because like Jesus, you clearly said, in this world, you will have trouble. Well, I, I'll take that to the bank. <laughs> but then he went on and said, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So don't be surprised if faithfulness costs you. But also remember what he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And so again, all these stories are about Canada because apparently God shows up in minus 30. <laughs> But the first three years of our time camp were like some of the hardest years of my life. You know, like we're moving away from family, friends, all things comfortable. We're, we're trying to figure out life. And then you inherit something when you step into a church. And just so you know, you are hard to lead sometimes. <laughs> I'm talking about you. Yes. <laughs> and so there's like expectations and like, oh, you're not like the other guy and all, you know, all that stuff, right? And then I inherit some extremely dysfunctional people. And you're like, now what? how do we follow Jesus when you don't even think you believe in Jesus? I don't know what to do. Like, it was just challenging. And so like three years of just trying to sort things out and be faithful to what God wanted, and it almost broke me. I just remember there was this moment, like, like we had a basement. In Canada, you have basements. <laughs> it's just a feature. <laughs> and I just remember I was sitting in the little like office space, in the, and I was just like, God, God I, I think I'm done. Like, I didn't sign up for this. Uh, I feel like you've tricked us. I, I feel like that what the adventure of leaving when we watched the Hobbit movie and it looked really cool <laughs> is not an adventure anymore. Like I feel like I'm in Mordor and I'm dying. 
but God, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And I remember like, again, like God just showing up because he's so good. And it was like, Joel, you're keeping score wrong. And she's like, what, what do you mean? He's like, Joel, you're counting how many times you've been knocked down. You're keeping score wrong. Stop counting how many times you've been knocked down and start counting how many times I've picked you back up and I've put you back on the field and I'm with you. And it's like, okay, God, like, like I, I, okay, let's keep going. And we saw breakthrough because God is faithful and God is good. And so friends, I, I just want to encourage you with the fact that God speaks. Are you listening? And again, I don't, I don't presume to tell you how that will look in your life, but definitely here's some guidelines and here's the foundation of his word and the promise of his spirit. And so walk in faithfulness to those things and see what he wants to do. But I, I wanna just kind of close with some questions because I, I would imagine that for some of us, we're hearing this and we're thinking like, hey, like, kind of sounds good. I don't, I don't know if I'm buying what you're selling, but if I'm gonna be honest, I don't, I, I haven't heard God or I haven't heard him in a long, long time. And so if you're kind of like, when God seems silent, like what do you do with that? I got some questions just to, to encourage you to wrestle with him. And so here's my first question, maybe one of the most foundational yet important ones. If God seems silent, do you belong to him? I have two daughters. We have all sorts of conversations because they're my kids. They have all sorts of friends. I don't have the same conversations with their friends because they're not my kids. These two are. And Jesus like, wants to bring us back into a relationship with God. If you want to read some words with weight, read Matthew 7. It's there as a reference. You can look it up later. But basically, Jesus says, hey, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to make it in, but only those who do the will of my Father. Many will say to me on that day, did we not do this and this? And he says, I will say to them, away from me, I never knew you. Like, so this is a question we might want to like, seriously consider. Like, do I really belong to you? Like what John writes about this. John 1, 9-13, about Jesus. The true light that gives light to everyone has come into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born of, not, not born of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And here's the beautiful thing. If you're, like, like, if you're looking for God, God's been looking for you your whole life. And if you want to belong to him, pursue Jesus. Jesus, I want to give you all of me so I can step into something new with you. And so if you haven't been here, and maybe that's the first thing, God seems silent. Do you belong to him? Here's the second question then. If God seems silent, are you pursuing him? Do you have any um, one-way friends? I don't mean like Jesus is the only way, friends. Those are good people, right? Like that's like they have a, I mean like friendships that are only one-sided, like, like you'll reach out and pour out to them and they never return the call or, or they're like, yeah. We do that with God all the time. We show up and be like, God, give me something, give me something. And God's like, well, I want to play tag too. Like pursue me. And why, why do we think we would hear God speak if we're not actively pursuing him? I love what God says here, Jeremiah 29, 13. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me half-heartedly 
once or twice a month. <laughs> right? With all your heart. And we're, and we're going to talk more about this next week. We're going to explore this more. Like, how, how do we position and posture ourselves? So we, we set up a rhythm of pursuit, a relationship pursuit, God leading the dance, but that we, we're just like, God, I want to know you, and so I'm like, show up. And then third question, if God seems silent. Are you responding to him? Because it's not simply listen, it's what? Listen and follow, right? I always love it uh, when somebody will engage with us about church. You know, we, we get all sorts of fun conversations, but I always love this one. Church isn't deep enough. <laughs> I'm like, I, I agree that this should have substance, I agree that if we're not pursuing Jesus and hearing him, for sure. But I always want to ask the question, what do, you really, what, what do, you, what do you mean by deep enough? Because the implication of that question, it seems to think that you're making me responsible for your relationship with Jesus. And as one of your leaders, my job is to point to him, call him, model him, chase him with you. But I'm not responsible for your pursuit. Your pursuit is your pursuit. Your response is your response. Do you want to know what deeper looks like according to Jesus? One word. Obedience. There is nothing deeper in the journey of pursuing Jesus than walking in obedience. Look at what he says about this. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Oh, it sounds like he talked about this a few times, right? Right? The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. And then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, which I I love this little commentary, by the way. There were two Judases. What a bummer to be that Judas, right? Like, Like, not the one that betrayed him. I was, like the whole time in the early church, like, I wasn't him. I was the good one, right? Maybe we need to like name some of our sons Judas to redeem this Judas, right? Like, like, son, no, I named you after the good one, right? But Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will what? Obey, Obey my teaching. And look at the promise. My father will love them and we will come to them and we will make our home with them. Like Jesus, I want to step into a deeper life with you. Then listen and follow. And watch as I show up in your life in deeper ways. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who has sent me. And so I just want to, maybe somewhere in the story, God was clear to you about something and you said no. Or you said, I'm going to Jonah this one. (laughs) Right? Like, and I I just want to encourage you with this. If you can, go back to that moment and be obedient. If you can't go back to that moment, then choose this beautiful thing called repentance. God, I'm sorry, and I want to just get my life back in alignment with you. God, I just I I wanna I wanna walk in step with you. Because there's no greater joy, there's no greater beauty than knowing you and walking in life with you. And the beautiful thing about like turning to him, like you could take a thousand steps in the wrong direction. Obedience is just one step back and saying, God, here I am once again and letting him begin to lead you as you listen and follow. I remember as a kid, uh, our family, we would go to Yosemite a lot. And I just loved it as a kid. I'm the youngest in my family. We just go on these family hikes and 
And like, my dad would prepare us for the hikes. Like, here's what happens if a bear comes. Like, don't be slowest. Here's what, you know, all these kind of like scenarios. <laughs> he gave us all whistles, like as kids. So like, if we did get lost, like, boop, boop, boop. You know, they could come and find us. I didn't use that often because I would be in my own head. Like, woohoo. And I'm like, I'm lost. And, and then every once in a while, my dad would let me be in front of him. I mean, he, it was like a safe trail, right? But like, so I'd be on this path and as we, we would be walking, like to me, it was just the coolest thing. Like, and in my mind, like I'm blazing the trail and he's like, the trail's been established, but just, you know, you, we got, I got you, right? Like, and then there's these moments, depending on where the trees and the light would hit, where as I was leading, I could, I could tell dad was there. Like the sun would hit a certain way, like his shadow would fall over me. And it's like, if I just, if I just stay in the trail and I stay in his shadow, dad's with me. Like, that's, that's obedience. God, if I just stay in step with you, if I just let you lead me, if I wrestle with you when it's hard, I get to experience all that you want to do in my story. And so friends, what if today is the day to step back in to relationship with him? To say, okay, Jesus, this thing that you've been working on, here, here's me. And as we begin the journey of listening and following all the life he has for us, all that he promised us, he said he came to give us life to the full, which means whatever we've experienced so far, we haven't seen anything yet. And the path to more, the path to all that he has for us is faithfulness, obedience, listening, and following. And so Lord, we're here, and we want to come into your presence in this moment. And we just want to acknowledge that we need you. We need you in our lives. We need you in our story. And thank you for being so good. Thank you that you've pursued us through space and time and history. You've pursued us in this moment that you've come to do a work in each of our stories. And so here in this moment, we want to ask that you would speak, Lord. We want to commit to bringing ourselves to you. As we open your word, as we look at the life-giving messages that you've shared with us, would we respond to that? As your spirit stirs and guides, would we be sensitive to that? And thank you that it's not about perfection, but it's about a heart turned in a direction towards you, and you will guide us in that. And so here in this place, we want to give you us. And we want to commit to you that we will listen and we will follow. And so as we sing this song, would it be a declaration? Would it be our heart's desire to have you lead us more fully into this life you've come to give us?